Mechanical Freak Podcast. We're freaking in the evening today, uh, live from Seattle, Washington, most of us. Uh, <laughs> the capital <laughs> of neoliberal hell today. Uh, how, was, how are you guys doing? Munya, Greg, how you doing? Good, man. I uh, just came back from D.C. Um, Damn. Yeah. He was, lobbying. Capital. he was lobbying on behalf of Mechanical I was on Freak. K Street, baby. Mm-hmm. And now I got a little Wait. opportunity to, you know, uh, talk about uh, some fine uh, country in, uh, yeah. in the Middle there. East. And then he was there representing our, our lobbying firm, uh, First Reformed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pushing that uh, podcast <laughs> rights bill. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, it, did- it was fun. It was my first time there. Yeah, Munia sent me back some pictures from the National Mall of some uh, war memorials. Maybe, maybe you know, we're going to have a discussion for ending the myth uh, coming yeah. up soon. Maybe, maybe some of this will come up. <laughs> yes, yes. Very fascinating details. I, I, I learned something new um, at, at those war memorial uh, descriptions, let's just say. Uh, yeah, yeah. Always fun. Always fun to visit yeah. monuments, uh, especially ones that are not specifically about the Vietnam War yet are only about the Vietnam War. <laughs> Some, uh, yeah, it's weird how that works. But I also yeah. got to see the new like African-American Heritage uh, Museum that they did, which was like really great, actually. I nice. really enjoyed it. I wish they had a little bit of a longer section on reconstruction, but I mean, it was like uh, they they totally nailed it. It was so I need to go back there really like because I mean, this is like one of the newest um, museums that I think they opened. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I'm just kind of surprised they haven't had one like this yet. But like, wow. It, it was great. Yeah, the museums in D.C. are like the only thing, the closest thing America has to like first world museums. And then they have like actual cool stuff in them. They're free to go into. Yep, and, all free. Uh, or actually like kind of worth it. Uh, yeah, not not so much in most other cities. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, Seattle has, yeah, Seattle has no museums, so we can't say anything there. Oh, Greg, did you mention Ending the Myth? Thanks for bringing that up. Uh, hey, guys, we just had a great interview with Jerry Limke, so make sure you go back and listen to that. He's the guy who told you that anti-war protesters spitting on Vietnam vets returning home from the war uh, was bullshit. So next time you argue with your dumb dad about that or whatever. It's so fucking uh, cool you got him on. <laughs> He rocks. He was he's so, so nice. He's, he's so such a nice cool. guy. That he guy's so, so fucking cool. I, I just thoroughly enjoyed talking to him and just like, you know, um, it was just such a fun interview. Yeah, he's such a nice guy. But anyways, yeah. uh, everybody, we we talk about more than the spitting thing. Uh, there's a lot more other bullshit that you think is true about the Vietnam War that's also totally made up. Uh, check it out. Uh, just very proud of that interview and very happy that uh, Jerry was able to come on. I feel like we can call him Jerry now since he, you know, he told yeah. us to call him Jerry. So we're, we're friends now. We're best friends, I think, actually. Uh, <laughs> but make sure you go check that out. Um, guys. Last week, we got into it a little bit for our Patreon audience. Uh, A conversation about Russell Wilson that was so hot, we had to put it behind the paywall. Uh, We got into who fucked his wife. We got into (laughs) all the details about why he sucks all of a sudden. Uh, But one of the things we talked about was we caught up a little bit with the goings-on in the NFL. Wouldn't you believe it? Things have continued to happen even after we broadcast about it and it we're gonna just ta- stop ta- right there you in every week <laughs> every week well th- to be fair not a lot of weeks left to fill people in greg but <laughs> well i mean it starts up again in the fall right <laughs> yeah there you go oh well we'll be one of those podcasts that continues during the off season just going over inane details but no uh hmm. 
just <laughs> one of the funnier things, one of the funnier games I've ever seen in Championship Weekend. For those who listen, you might find it, would have found out that I'm a lifelong 49ers fan. And uh, the 49ers managed to get the shit kind of kicked out of them in probably one of the worst games of playoff football ever broadcast. But not necessarily because the 49ers lost so bad, but because uh, by the second half, about four plays into the second half, to be precise, uh, they no longer had a quarterback on the team, on the roster. So they were forced to finish the game without a quarterback, which for Greg, I know this is impossible for you to understand, but this is like sailing. I'll throw the ball. Yeah, that's like sailing a boat without the whole bottom of the boat existing, right? So a little problematic. Uh, Some might say farcical, ludicrous. Why Uh is it still happening? Um, People weren't super thrilled about it. But wouldn't you know, this very issue came up in the last labor dispute between the players and the owners. The owners wanted to add a 17th game to the schedule. And the players asked the owners if we're going to play an extra game, which they didn't want to do because of the risk of injury and things like that. The owners just wanted to do it because they make a little bit more money. Can we get extra slots on the roster since more people are going to get hurt now? And the owners, because they're cheap fucks and adding slots to the roster means that little line that divides the share of income the players get versus the share of income the owners get, that little line would move a little further into the owner's territory. You know, the players would just get a little larger slice of income, total income from the NFL. So the owners shot it down, told them no, and uh, we're seeing the fruits of it. We had to watch a whole half of football where essentially one of the teams could not play, could not field the team. <laughs> and we were insisted on playing it out. <laughs> it was a real possibility that the fullback was going to be starting quarterback for the fucking 49ers. <laughs> they they mic'd up uh, Christian McCaffrey's uh, helmet to receive play calls, who Christian McCaffrey's the running back for the 49ers, before realizing... Oh, yeah, Um, we literally have never practiced any plays, don't have any plays where our running back is the quarterback because (laughs) our running back is actually the running back. Yeah, that's kind of not his job. Yeah, they came in with two quarterbacks. Both quarterbacks got hurt. Uh, Maybe they'd had some extra roster spots given the fact they're already down to their third quarterback going into the game. (laughs) Uh, They might have had some more quarterbacks to uh, spare, but instead uh, we just had a ludicrous second half, which, by the way, predictably ended in the players basically fighting with one another and two players getting ejected and some pretty ugly late hits and things like that. Kind of shocked the Eagles are keeping their starters in, to be honest. Uh, It's like you've won the game. The game's already determined. Like, why why are starters on the field? Yeah, (laughs) insane. (laughs) But uh, once again, uh, the owners, uh, essentially the greed of the owners keeps on winning in the NFL, making sure that product is as shitty as possible. Uh, you know, gotta love it. It's all labor in the end, baby. Uh, well, Munya, you're a tech guy. Maybe you can explain this next one. You're a project manager. <laughs> Manage yeah, sure. this project. Uh, Tesla steering wheels. Apparently, they keep falling off. This is a problem. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a Tesla, the wheel might fall off. The steering wheel might fall off while you're driving. <laughs> well, Brian, you're very, very biased by bringing this up. First off. Um, you never talk about all of the faults of any other car maker. And in (laughs) fact, it seems like you just pick on Tesla all the time when in reality, like, you know, innovation comes at a cost and you know what, sometimes you got to crack a few eggs to make an omelet and, um, you know, 
this is this is the fruits of it. You know, sometimes a steering wheel will just fall off while you're driving at 60 miles an hour on the freeway. Uh, <laughs> and you know what? You don't talk about Ford doing that. You don't talk about GM doing that, right? It's just always Tesla, Tesla. It's like, I think you just, <laughs> I think you're just out to, um, you know, stifle innovation. I'm, I'm frankly not for it and not participating in this. Well, once again, for Greg, I mean, I think we have to give some sort of explainer here. Greg, oh, I saw steer- the pictures. Well, your steering wheel falling off while driving, Greg, that'd be like if while sailing, uh, the rudder of the boat just fell off. Yeah, I, like <laughs> I, I looked at the pictures of this shit and I don't I, I tried to like Google like to see if anyone was talking about this factor. But like it looked to me like there was no steering column. <laughs> so like in a normal car for a hundred years with some variations, you've literally had a steel rod coming up from the uh steering controls down by the wheel and axles mm-hmm. and shit. The 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 uh the various rods and arms and shit, all the way up to the steering wheel, sometimes with some joints in it, so it you know can move you can move where your steering wheel is and whatever. Um and then the steering wheel goes over the end of that rod with like that's a splined gear so that like it turns and then it's also pressure fit on that with like uh, bolts so that it it not only can't come off, but like, you know, then power steering's existed for like 75 years where you have a hydraulic pump like actually assisting you in moving it so that you don't have to hand, use just the strength of your arms to move the thing. So Basically, they solved the problem of like it being hard at all to steer to where now you could do it with a pinky in a modern car. But literally still, if all of that fails, like if you blow a hydraulic line, you can still steer the car. And it is virtually impossible for a steering wheel to come off. Even if you take off the bolts, you pull off the the cap on the steering wheel, like where the horn is, and you undo the bolts you still cannot physically with your arms pull the steering wheel off of the spline like gear sprocket thing that's like an inch or two Mm -hmm. long because it's pressure fit on there with the bolts yeah like it's it's physically impossible to get it but what it looks like in that yeah it's like a special tool to get it off i actually had to pull the steering wheel my pontiac grand prix at one point and it's Mm -hmm. it's a real yeah it's it's hard to get a steering wheel off but yeah tesla's uh yeah done something new they've innovated here so it looks it looked to me like i did not i don't see this the steering column coming through there which makes just maybe i'm completely wrong i'm not i'm not seeing it correctly but what it looks like is the Tesla steering wheel is just a controller, <laughs> which makes sense, right? Like the way, yeah, yeah. like everything we know about Tesla and how they work, how they've tried to innovate a computer into every fucking thing that, you know, on that car, like all your fucking controls of everything else are on a goddamn screen instead of like an actual knobs and buttons. Right. And that <laughs> means that like, if that's true, then like if any of that, electronics or software fails like you could lose steering or actually just if anything falls apart like the steering wheel the fact that the steering wheel could come off at all means that that makes sense that what's happening there is no steering column it's just a fucking controller and you've got little like hydraulic uh or something 
just moving the wheels down below that you're just controlling like an Xbox, which mm-hmm. is in an insanely new level of danger that I, if this is true, should never have been allowed on the road. Well, hilariously, apparently in 2020, there is another case of uh, Tesla Model 3 steering wheel falling off mid-drive, too. So not even the first steering wheel, I guess, to to just come loose while driving. Yeah. It, and well, and the only difference between Model 3 and Model Y is that Model Y is kind of like the like lower lower cost. I'm using mm-hmm. scare quotes there because Teslas aren't cheap, oh, but you know, well, there you go, lower right? cost, like you, SUV, right? And like yeah. Model 3, like Model 3s and Model Ys look very similar and I, they probably have similar like manufacturing processes. Well, well, look, if you get the cheaper model, the steering wheel can fall off. Uh, at that price point, the steering wheel comes off. Yeah, come on. Come on now. At the at, at the $55,000 price point <laughs> of, of a Model 3, um, <laughs> The steering yeah. wheel will fall off. <laughs> the steering wheel gotta fall off. Yeah, get what you pay for. Obsolescence, people. Yeah. Like, get used to it. All right, come on now. Well, like, uh, this is the same company. Like, I guess they never made it out on the road, but the idiot himself like made his people put a like F one style yoke mm-hmm. yeah, on yeah, the car. Yeah. <laughs> that fucking rocks. That just tells you about like the the absolute like dysfunction and danger of how that company is run because like people like. Rightly, like watched the idiot himself driving around a track and going like, oh, like turning like the massive because you because they're built differently. Like you have to turn the wheel of a regular street car many revolutions to get to turn the wheels. Whereas because you're going a zillion miles an hour and F on a track only, the idea is you have this wheel that you only have to like nudge yeah. like a millimeter, mm-hmm. like a like a a minute of of yeah. uh, revolution uh to get it to like fully turn yeah um yeah. but the other part of it <laughs> in a parallel parking with an f1 like car also, you know an intensely trained professional who spent <laughs> right. hundreds and hundreds yeah. of hours there's driving a whole other vehicle, element you know? there's an entire other element yes so it was really awkward and weird and he's like gosh this is stupid but that is not even why steering wheels are fucking round They are round because you can lose control of a car, because you can lose control of a steering wheel. And because it is round, it will always be in the same fucking place when you go to grab it. Okay, Mm -hmm. so if your if your wheel is spinning and you need to grab it and control, it's it's always in the same place because it's fucking round. You, You grab whatever part is there in any way if you've got this fucking yoke spinning around it's just gonna fucking slap your hand back you know that they uh, that they allowed him even to fuck around that someone like put couldn't get that like message through to him to go like no like we shouldn't even put this on tv like we we shouldn't even do this as a joke it's stupid like but they had to do it anyway you know i don't know well they did it and like they actually like started selling the cars you know like they like consumer Wait, reports with the yoke what like, oh, yeah. like, like it looked like the, for a while, I didn't know that even after it looked like for a while they're trying to offer it as like an option to like <laughs> yeah <laughs> they right. ship it like it got shut down no, or something so I think I think like well okay at the very oh least God. at the very least like there were there were um like consumer reviews of it like uh, and like you know like people like filming like their car review of it and there were some like professional reviews of like oh here's the new Tesla oh they decided to put this yoke in and oh God I'm trying to go around this like I can't drive this thing basically. I mean, I think that of course they probably uh 
you know, discontinued that. But that was like, I think for a brief period of time, a car you could actually buy like with the yolk, but not get Mm -hmm. shipped maybe. Well, it got shipped at least to reviewers, to the press right. yeah, and yeah. reviewers, yeah. at least. Um, Which is I'm insane. not I mean, sure if it, if it's like on just like a regular person's like you know driveway, but if it's not um, in, they the, manufactured it. I mean, like, oh my god, <laughs> if it's not in the regular like the Department of Transportation regulations for highways that the steering wheel has to be round, it's only be, be because no one ever. It never occurred yeah, to anyone to that anyone would be so stupid as to do it because everyone understands it has to be round. It cannot be anything else. You can't reach out and grab that thing that is not round when it's spinning around. Like this, this is just God. These things are fucking death traps. I will. I, I'm never getting in a Tesla again. Well, it is kind of funny. I mean, you know, uh, we, we've been talking about neoliberalism, just start talking about neoliberalism and ending the myth. But one of the things is delegitimizing like the role of the state in its yeah. social functions. Right. And you just have to imagine, look, cars, certainly American car companies have made unsafe vehicles and things like that. Famously, some unsafe at any speed, even. Mm-hmm. But it's the Tesla cars seem to be poorly built on a whole other level. You just have to imagine any state that is functioning, right? That's like actually trying to perform any sort of social good, caring about social safety at all, would just not allow these things on the road. Like their their build record is so bad at this point. I mean, it's incredible. I'm looking at Tesla's owner's, owner's manual for the Model S and there is like a literal like a uh, um, section for the steering yoke. So that makes oh me think God. that two years ago, they actually did like release Ship it. Ship some out. They just shipped some out like two years ago. They like recently, like, you know, like in the past few months, I think like discontinued it. But um, that is insanely dangerous. Like for their high end ones, like the Model S and the Model X, they had the steering yoke for like a brief period of time. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, just (laughs) another sign of good things to come in the future. Uh, Well, there's no like easy way or good way really to sort of transition to this uh maybe a burning car is a good way to transition to it yeah yeah for real um but yeah i mean obviously the big story of the weekend was the video was finally released of the murder of tyree nichols by memphis police officers which for those who have somehow missed this uh five police officers in an unmarked vehicle pulled over a man in Memphis, a 29-year-old man named Tyree Nichols, and then over the course of over half an hour, proceeded to beat him to death while taking breaks to vape and laugh about it. Uh, EMT showed up and just stared at the guy while he was essentially laying there dying. The whole thing is fucking awful, and it's, of course, a reminder that the police are not reformable in any way. Uh, all the strategies that people are going to tell you, none of them work. Uh, it's, you know, a bunch of bullshit. We'll talk a little more about that later. But the question I kind of had is in the lead up to the video coming out, this had happened, to, I think, two weeks prior, essentially, or and people for that two weeks essentially had been saying that it's really bad. Those in the know were like, this is really bad. Um, you know, Memphis PD is trying to hide the video. Uh, we're going to try and push to make sure it gets out. Uh, cities across the country, not just in Memphis, started putting out notices, uh, 
first to public employees, mainly the police department, prepare for riots, right? And then put out notice to the public, everybody stay calm, stay in your homes, right? Uh, the Memphis PD very uncharacteristically, uh, very quickly fired the police officers and then pressed charges against them before the video came out, again, hinting to how bad the video was going to be. Uh, the video then came out. I mean, it seemed like there was a national strategy to try and nip this in the bud, right? I mean, Biden was making comments. Oh, yeah. I assume the reason why every city was putting out public statements was because the White House was coordinating with uh, all yeah, the major cities yeah. in the United States, uh, which is to be expected. Um, I guess, like, my question, you know, we know why the police do what they do and all that kind of stuff. But I, I think... Given that buildup, it is curious that there weren't more protests. And I'm just kind of curious to hear y'all's thoughts on that as to maybe why uh, we didn't see more protests uh, after the release of this video, which everybody agreed was pretty fucking bad. It's interesting because I think, you know, even though we're approaching the third year anniversary of the murder of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Ambri, um, that that sparked something that I think was being held in for a while, you know, in America. Like we had the largest, uh, you know, mass protests uh, in this nation's history, really, you know, was sustained, right? Um, that that energy can't always, I think, uh, be there, and I think the fact that not only did we have that massive, you know, uprising, but really nothing came of it was, is pretty demoralizing in a lot of cases. Um, and I think makes people think twice about maybe tactics. If, you know, we had such a large sustained movement with something that was so clear cut and dry and not only did nothing really, and we did everything that was quote unquote, right. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like, work with the city council, right? Like lobby them really hard, Um, you know, have all of the public pressure um, on them. That's like all we kind of had to talk about um, for the past like whole summer. Right. And I think that the outcome of that was that the police got more money, you know? And like, I, I'm not saying that this is the reason why there aren't um, any uh, protests or at least like not as many as you would think that was, uh, you know, inspire someone to come out seeing this video. But I think that it is a little bit of a factor to see, mm-hmm. you know, what happened during uh, the protest and then the results of that. Like, you can't imagine that you said, oh, if we just protested a little harder, did something the same way as we did in 2020, oh, then mm-hmm. we would get the results that we want. I think that that really kind of exposed that no matter what we do with that tactic, um, we can't even get a symbolic concession. You know, um, Mm -hmm. no less actually, you know, uh, defunding a bit of the police. Right. Um, Or having any justice or accountability. So um, I don't I definitely don't think that's all of it. I think there are like other factors at play. But I think the recency of just how little we got in 2020, despite a mass uprising like any of us have ever seen in our lifetime for a sustained period of time. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just that has to yeah. be a factor. No, I, I mean, I, I think you're right, Munia. Like, hope has to be a part of it, right? If you didn't get that many people out in the street, 
um, in such a sustained way as happened in 2020, like hope for something. It has to be on at least some of those people's minds. And if you're looking ahead at that time, yeah, you don't know the future. Like this horrible shit's happening. I'm seeing other people in the street. Like then I'm, and then, you know, I'm getting brutalized by the cop. I'm getting gassed, you know, like, but you, you're thinking like there's a moment here, something could be happening. So I better, I better be here. And it's like, having gone through all that, what are you looking ahead at now going like, well, this could be another time. And then I guess we could keep this sustained and I could go out myself several days, nights a week for the next several months. And and I guess if we did it twice as much for twice as mm-hmm. long, would would nothing happen? Would we get as much as we got this time? Yeah, because yeah. we got proved that nothing would happen with a three month long sustained yeah. protest, yeah, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, getting I mean, our asses kicked. Enormous know? numbers of people in the streets, the marches in cities in Seattle here, you know, many thousands of people in all 50 states of the country right for for for, um Mm -hmm. for police murder that that in that is truly like something that made my eyes pop when i saw it well we that's the other thing i think we have to remember is the 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 singularness of the uniqueness of 2020 Mm -hmm. like that is what and now there's a lot of factors for that but that if we just take that out of the equation like forget that 2020 happened you might actually ask why did any protests happen when this came out yeah, this yeah. is this yeah. is something that happens all the time this was this is a particularly bad video but i, I have some thoughts on how it's different um but mostly they just historically just haven't come out but like the, no shade at all here but the people who thought, okay, this is bad enough that maybe we can get people out on the streets. I'm going to be the person who shows up first day one. We're the cranks ultimately like who, you know, the vibe was, you know, again, no shade at all, like trying to make something happen, you know, mm-hmm. but that's not the yeah. same as an enormous like outpouring of anger and solidarity and hope that we saw yeah. in 2020. Yeah. And it just didn't, go anywhere from that so why was it different you could scratch your head all day long to try and figure out to what extent the reality of of the covid lockdowns and the and all the layoffs and everything had on that um but it it probably was something i i think i'm gonna go back though to the the singularity of this event of the murder of george floyd is that a time when a lot of people in the country were ready to stand up and get pissed off about this, uh, about police violence? Not all the thousands who did end up coming out of the street, but a lot of people. And also at a time when there hadn't been anything like this for a long time, our, our society, our, the state wasn't ready to deal with it. The cops were primed to go ape shit. Uh, the second anyone came out into the street and thus like, you know, just make things worse. And the thing that did it, though, I mean, I said this at the time. We can look at that this murder and in Memphis and be horrified and disgusted by it and even look at it in specific ways that like show like like a classroom lesson, like how it could show america like what policing really is 
the randomness, the casualness uh, of the brutality, the sustained uh, character of it. But ultimately, it doesn't have what the video of George Floyd's murder had, which was all of that, but vastly more concise. This too much fucking video. It's too long. Nobody watched it. All the pe- the cranks all watched it and said, like, this is really disgusting. But like, n- no one saw this shit. The mm. news isn't playing this shit and saying when you saw like a couple like blurred out images on the news of George, the murder of George Floyd, you get an immediate picture of the entire thing. Basically, it's daylight. Everyone's calm. And the news guy in the news says, and he just knelt there on his neck for nine minutes as the guy begged for his life. And then he died. That's Mm -hmm. that's we can watch this this murder and know and see how disgusting it is. But Americans didn't see it. The few images they saw were what looked like fucking cops look like fucking a cop show look like any fucking thing. It's a it's very tense. Everything's very you know, you see the cops. They show like the cops running out of the car, you know, and it's like everything in our society, we have, everyone has cop brain This the, that by making it a big deal, by making it a life threatening situation, by uh, making it uh, a tense situation where violence is used that make that signals to America that violence must have been warranted. And the murder of George Floyd undercut that narrative because it's daylight it's everyone's fucking chilled out there's like the clips they were able to show like and then Devine's hands was in his pocket the whole time exactly like he was like casually standing there while people were begging him to get off looking at them in the eye with his knee on george floyd's neck with his hands in his pocket like you not even like a propagandist could not even like really like spin that being like oh this was like a altercation like blah 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 mm-hmm. right like and it was yeah well, that shit happens textbook. in this video too but it's later it's no, later way later in the video. Though, no yeah. one there was no, no one in america yeah. saw that shit i promise yeah, yeah. you no one yeah. watched all that fucking all that I, video and i get what you're saying and, and i do think there's some some truth to it i i do think it's interesting i mean to the uniqueness of the moment in 2020 i mean of course there were large not on the same scale but very large across the country uh, protests that were sustained for a while in 2014 after, mm-hmm. uh, you yep. know, the murder in Ferguson, right. Um, of Michael Brown, right. Um, followed very shortly by the murder of, uh, Frederick, Freddie Gray, uh, was yeah. either later 2014, or early 2015, um, which was, uh, another black man who was killed by black cops. Right. I mean, so this has been one uh, other thing that's been offered is that all oh, well, the cops are black that did it or whatever. So it's like, in the idiot language that Americans understand race, they can't understand that or whatever. But like people were mad about Freddie Gray's death. And as far as the video, what the video reminded me of was the Rodney King beating, you know, yeah. which yeah. in, you know, 1991, 1992, people thought was, of course, you know, uh, angering enough, right, to uh, elicit some, you know, some reaction, right, from the public. It was not just to discount anything that you guys have said. You know, but I think it means that some other factors are kind of at work, too. I mean, you know, I I think there's some. It's exactly the Rodney King. It's we've. Cop brain has evolved in America. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that could be it, right? It's 30 years later. Like we've been all of the 
the way cops behave, the way cops justify what they do, the way cops are shown on TV, the way the news media uses the footage and talks about it, the way we understand it, that Rodney, you showed that Rodney King shit today. It, mm-hmm. I think it, you'd have a similar problem getting through to people. Yeah, that our, our society, at least like and how it interprets images, how it interprets the world has become more callous and more sort of accepting of violence, right? More, more trained to frame things in this cop brained perspective. That's like that really a key to it all from the cops in the moment and how America is told to think about it is like is reversed in causation, right? It's if if violence is happening, if a situation is tense, then the automatic assumption is then it had to be then it that that shows you that it was a life threatening emergency that it was that's what that's how do you know how do you know cops had to pull their weapons out uh and or uh get rough with someone it's because they're doing it that's how you know mm-hmm. like that, that's yeah. how this stuff is yeah. interpreted and that's been trained into people for the last 30 years when i think i want to i want to kind of hit back and put a little exclamation point on a point that munio was making earlier too uh which you know if i could maybe uh, put some words in your mouth munio no, was uh, no, please the demoralizing effect mm, of the yeah. 2020 protests and i think in particular from the democratic party who in the 2020 primaries actively courted you could say or argue uh protesters or whatever to say like oh i mean this is a trump phenomenon right or whatever and elect us and we'll be the the you know party to be responsible about this kind of policing thing and then the second people elected you know joe biden he then turned around and started saying we're gonna fund 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 the police and this is a party of the police and all this kind of stuff and I think that it's hard to underestimate the demoralizing impact that has on people. I mean, this is part of the function of the Democratic Party is to demoralize people, right? And and I think that is part of it. Uh, you know, I think it's all these things are all like tied together, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, the one thing that is that we could say for sure is part of the explosion in 2020 was that the the tension that caused the protests in 2014 never had any resolution, right? Mm -hmm. Like nothing ever got better. In fact, the police got worse. And the tension that was there that caused people to go out in the streets in 2014 never subsided. It continued, right? And the only thing keeping people out of the streets was the fact that they were demoralized afterwards. And in 2020, for whatever reasons, you know, things came together and it blew up again. But since 2020, as you guys have pointed out, nothing has been resolved. So the inherent contradiction, the inherent grinding nature of police violence, which by all accounts has actually gotten worse again since 2020. They've killed more More, people every year. Yeah, Yeah, 2022 was the highest uh, death toll uh, from police violence. So that contradiction. uh, Above a thousand or something like something around there. That contradiction between the stated goals of the police and the state and people's actual experience with them is continued, right? And the tension continues to grow. And I think minus any sort of organized mass social movements, I forget left mass movements. I mean, just mass social movements, period, in the United States. It's impossible to know exactly what will be the boiling point, right? Other than the fact that you know because nothing has ever gotten resolved that it will boil over again. 
you just don't know exactly what's going to set it off. Yeah, it's going to take time for that to boil over. It'll have to be right conditions. And I think you're right, Brian, actually on that point is something that like the demoralization point was what I was making. But I think, you know, adding on to that, too, I think what really kind of, you know, up the unrest was, I think, the fact that, you know, Donald Trump was in his last year of we went through four years of Mm -hmm. Donald Trump being president. Right. Which all Mm -hmm. of America happened to really sour on and like kind of realize that, you know, the fascist nature of the state, which is not unique to Donald Trump, but I think his presidency emphasized to people who Mm -hmm. usually that nature is obfuscated for. Um, Those kind of combinations of things, the fact that we were going through a uh, Democratic uh, primary at the time, which Bernie was uh, running in, right? So, you know, I think all of these things were kind of at the forefront. and yeah, I think that there was a factor of a Republican like Trump being in office. Um, oh, a absolutely. lot of Americans being fed up with that, along with the growing tension that was has been building since 2014 and beyond, obviously. But, you know, uh, with policing and just in America, right, that just keeps on getting more radical, more militarized um, and just kills more people every year. Um and so, yeah, I think it is extremely demoralizing when you have someone like Biden come in and, you know, fund the police and everything while showing that there were no results uh, during 2020, despite a historic uh, uprising and protest. Right. Um, and despite actually not just protesting, but trying to lobby your city council or like lobbying our you know, senators and, you know, what have you working within the system that we're told to work in um, mm. didn't work. And that begs the question for a lot of people, right? Not the cranks, right? But like a lot of people who would actually like be required to have people uh, rise up in the same way that we saw, or at least have like mass protests. Um, There has to be that uh, expectation that something could come out of it. Mm -hmm. And um, it's going to be, it's hard to see that because I think 2020 has just been so fresh uh, with all of those conditions. So. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, and there. I mean, as we know, there was no organized mass movement in the streets. What the numbers in the streets, the the big numbers, when you had these marches on days where you had thousands of people marching through cities, that was the libs. That was urban liberals yeah. coming in mm-hmm. and filling those out. Why, mm-hmm. like you said, Munia, because they because Donald Trump, like the 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 mood they felt for that reason. And like that, you know, they had Trump on the brain and thus had permission to be mad at vague sort of state and right wing forces. Uh, And it was okay to protest because, you know, you weren't uh, damaging, you know, hurting a Democratic president or something. And, yeah, they probably some of them did think like, well. The Democrats uh, are the party of, uh, you know, a good governance or whatever will, uh, you know, will uh, do something here because we do this. We'll, we're, we're showing we're getting in the street to give them the political capital to uh, do anything, mm-hmm. you know, and which is to say that in a in a large way, the the mass number, the mass protests of 2020 were basically politically a mirage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, 
without a mass uh, movement or anything to for you know those protests to latch onto or anything like that, it, it could always just be waited out, uh, which is ultimately what they did. Now, I want to just kind of quickly talk a little bit about the the narrative that uh, all the brain geniuses across the spectrum are kind of settling on now about the problem with Memphis PD, because of course that's the only problem, right? <laughs> and what to do mm-hmm. about it. Uh, just so we can bring it up, just to sort of dispatch it fairly quickly, uh, strangle this infant in its crib, if you will. Uh, but uh, so from the right, this was brought up as uh, here. Let me, let me pull this one up. This is from some right wing media guy. I have no fucking idea. His head looks like a weird baby thumb. Um, Y'all but do, man. What's I know up with he, that? he looks like a right wing media guy. You know, yeah. you know the look, guys. You but, know the look. But he says that uh, he's. I guess tisk tisking all of us. Your woke policies led to Tyree Nichols' death. Affirmative action police chief led to his death. <laughs> uh, basically, going um, on, this is the fact of Antifa or the fault of Antifa clowns because they relaxed hiring requirements at the Memphis Police Department. So, affirmative action is to blame uh, on the sort of lib uh, Ukrainian flag in your check mark bio side. Uh, no opinion who i don't know why i have to know oh, who this person is oh oh but oh, he God. he had uh, more and more i'm convinced that the big policing reform we need is to professionalize the police through massively increased training <laughs> requirements and higher education levels uh, uh Matt bloomberg Gla- moment bloomberg yeah. moment yeah matt iglesias had a similar thing although luckily i'm banned from looking at matt iglesias's tweets so i'm yeah I'm, same I'm, welcome know, to so. the club man I, trust me, nothing's been better for my mental yeah, health. Yeah, no, no opinion used to write op eds for Bloomberg, and like he was kind of yeah. like the the kind of um, lib centrist uh, like thinker analyst guy who like yeah. wants to actually like do good. Like that was his whole thing. I guess I guess he left Bloomberg. I'm looking at his bio. I guess yeah, he's, he's a now Substack. On Substack. Now. Yeah, they so all kind of like went the Matty Lee guys. Yeah, so yeah, he's yeah. he's basically an op-ed writer for Bloomberg who went to Substack. Hmm. The same shit that you saw at Vox or New York Times, etc. Yeah. Right? One of those and, guys. And, and I'll give you one last one, which I think is the best sort of summation of this, which is some guy named Mohammed Safa, who is a CEO of a human rights organization with the UN. So, uh, you know, read it yeah. in that like he nope. wants to, as much as he wants to. <laughs> no. Nope. Uh, I thought he just had the best summary, though, which is, if we made the Police Academy a four-year program, I bet we'd get rid of a lot of oh the God. bad apples. I don't understand oh. how a lawyer has to go to school for eight years to understand the law enough to practice it, but it only takes six months to learn it enough to enforce it. Makes you uh, think. Really makes you think, huh? Um, I mean, yeah. if you made Police Academies four years, they would come out even bigger psychos. But think about how good the new Police Academy reboot would be. Yeah. You know, but yeah, I mean, one, uh, we should just dispense with the idea right off the bat. This is just professional class, you know, fantasies that going to college makes you a good person. <laughs> I mean, like, Th- that's so, what it boils down to yeah, is the, the, the idea that, like, <laughs> after four years of studying, um, you, you come out actually educated on the issues and become like the person that you, you personally like. Right. Well, and, like, be, and also being educated <laughs> on the issues as you would be in college makes you a good, nonviolent in, human yes. being as opposed to the kind of person that would, I don't know, invent napalm as they did at a university or, you know, uh, build an atomic bomb or whatever. Like, I mean, 
especially the United States, we forget how much of our college intellectual heft is spent make coming up with new inventive ways to murder people and like horrifying it's, displays. You know, but in also, a real way the, Silicon Valley other, would not <laughs> exist without the Defense Department. You know, <laughs> like it just well, wouldn't. In the other heft of our college, like you know, graduate, like the other bit of it goes to goes to New York to work on Wall Street to figure out ways to fleece old ladies out of their fucking retirement <laughs> money and shit like that. Like you know, I mean, there's a good argument that actually going to college just made people worse on the whole you know, well, that, you as, know like, that's all true beings, but those but, are all like good lost things <laughs> that you know would fully be inside the rubric of this thinking as like you know you know we can uh criticize that but like it really misses a much yeah. more basic point which is that like this person like i mean just no understanding of what the police are yeah what they do just no yeah. interest really in understanding at all like what is going on here just none at all no, i like, feel like just, i'm at like an internal all hands meeting for a company we all work at talking mm-hmm. about like you know like what yeah. needs to be done to like maybe like hire like more people or like have different people get promoted it's like as if like the police are a part of the same like are just the same people we are yeah. even right like as if like we're all just like kind of peers here and that there just needs to be a few like oh their job is the police and my job's like you know like running the books for you know um like a pete's coffee or whatever right like i mean that's it they're, they're just not the fucking same it's not man. the same it's just and, not and, like pe- people do not understand and even watch like you got i mean who knows did that guy watch the whole video i don't know but you know we can watch that shit and think to ourselves you would have to be a fucking idiot to watch this and not clock that for these pigs to behave this way in all the the minute details from the just the the physical immediate brutality to the casualness to how it all instigates to the way they all look at each other to the way you you would have to be a fucking idiot to not clock that this would have to be something systematic. Even mm-hmm. if you'd never heard of this happening before, I would watch police brutality. I mean, I would watch that video and go like, wait a minute. Is this a phenomenon that I don't know about? Because I'm watching this video and it's there's clearly something normal happening here. Mm-hmm. OK, yeah. there's. Uh, clearly some expectations being met not broken in this scene i'm watching and then i would think do i need to find out like that other people are being beaten to death and and shock my my senses here but we already know that this is that they kill over a thousand people a year we know people are you know beaten like this this is old fucking news and yet you watch that and you don't clock that this is something systematic which means it's never occurred to you that it is that they have too much fucking time in police academy that they are is the reason mm-hmm. they're like this. They have too much training. They are too educated on how to be a cop, what it is to be a cop, the rules and manners of being a cop. This is what they learn. It, this, and it's not like what fantasy are you pulling out of your ass that you think like, ah, oh, well, police academies, because it has, you know, because it sounds like uh you know, the 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 centers of learning in ancient Greece uh, mm-hmm. must be where they're learning all the good things about, you know, the platonic <laughs> ideals of being a cop. And then, you know, when they get to uh, their actual precincts, then the bad apples start to rot. You know, like, mm-hmm. why would you come up with this idea 
Well, unless like you said, you're more, just a pro- professional class twit, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, even like, even on the more, because like, yes, that that's all true. But I think even on a more fundamental level, there's this just class disdain, I think, for people who they think that all of these like Rube cops cannot handle four years. Therefore, like the ones who do survive are like the good ones all along. Like, the bad apples right. just cannot go through those four years yeah. in general, like not, not even like that they'd be reformed. They're just like, Oh no. Like, you know, these dumbasses hate education. Um, and like, you know, can never get a degree like, I, you know, I do. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, well, so, look, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, they, they just won't even do it. I think that that's like, yeah. <laughs> I think that's well, like the implication too. Yeah. And I think the, the bottom line, like air in this is thinking that what you saw in that video is not what police are supposed to be doing in the first place. Right. I mean, that's, that's the fundamental error they make is yeah. they look at that and they think that's not what policing is. But it's an aberration. Whereas, yeah. To your point, Greg, if you look at the way the officers are acting, the way the EMTs are acting when they show up and interact with the police is that's apparently exactly how we expect the police to act. That's how they expect. That's what they expect out of themselves. And that's what others expect out of them. Right. And, uh, that's the job, right? Like what yeah, you saw in that video was the job. As, as you said, Greg, I mean, exactly yeah. right. Like and that's not, that's not them breaking any norm. That's, yeah. that's a normal thing. And as we've talked about in the show, I mean, the training has actually made them crazier. It's why Absolutely. doing more training is not good. I mean, the training essentially tells them that they should be scared every second of their lives and that anything <laughs> the job is to come home. They yeah, like anything, draw a gun at their shadow. that everybody is a potential threat and that anything they do to protect themselves is ultimately justified and you know then you set them out and you set them out to attack i mean this is just written into the structure of law itself but right you set them out to attack people who you don't care about the society doesn't care about who are politically not powerful homeless people poor people black people etc right and it's like, and you're shocked that this is the outcome, right? And, and that, I, that also primes, like that situation also primes people, you know, those cops who, you know, just want to go out and mm-hmm. harm someone. Now with all that set up, all they have to do is instigate an altercation and all mm-hmm. the other dominoes fall to where it's it's justified. I was I was saying earlier, like we know it's justified because it happened, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and and to just give the sort of historical perspective, we've been professionalizing the police to reform them for a hundred plus years now. I mean, that goes back to the progressive era. They were we were going to make the cops more educated in the 1960s. That's how we were going to solve the problem of police riots in the 60s. And nothing has changed since then. The cops are more educated than they've ever been in this country. It hasn't changed anything, you know. I was Seattle back when Kathleen O'Toole was the head of Seattle PD briefly. They used to brag about how educated Seattle PD was. Didn't stop them from getting a fucking consent decree slapped on them. Didn't stop them from killing numerous people. You know, I mean, uh, you know, this kind of stuff just has it. It has no impact because, again, people are fundamentally misunderstanding what the function of the police are, are looking at a video like this and thinking that's not what their function is. When in reality, that's exactly what their function is. And this comes down to, you know, this idiot. proposal for yeah bachelor's degrees in in piggery um (laughs) like you know if you want the the most charitable you could be toward that would be to uh frame it uh as it's it's a reform versus abolition 
question. Now, this idiot, again, ignorant and uninterested in understanding what's going on as he is, is talking about reform. He's like, let's have policing as we have it, but just like tell the, fund all the add more funding to the police academies as they exist and add a bunch of training uh, to it. And what we would get is even more psychotic cops coming out of that because you can't reform this shit. If you want to talk about abolition, then, uh, you know, yeah, you want to, you know, have your, you know, whatever, sit down and talk about your ideas about what um, public servants uh, could look like in a uh, society without policing uh, as we know it for the purposes we know it to, you know, that is working for the forces that it does, uh, but something completely different than, yeah, I mean, I guess like uh, you might have very educated uh, public servants uh, that sometimes respond to emergencies. Um, but like that, like that's all, that's the question right there. That's why, you know, that's why it's gotta be abolition because like this shit is always bullshit. Like mm -hmm. if you're just talking about reform. Yeah. 100%. All right. Well, uh, transitioning from uh, that awful shit to something that's also awful, but maybe a little funny as well. Uh, Munya, you, you showed us this article from New York Magazine from their Curbed section, which is uh, not what you think it is if you're my age. And that term <laughs> has a very specific movie <laughs> meaning from like the late 90s. But uh is about uh, real estate and things like that. This article, really fantastic. We'll put a link to it in the thing. Yeah, go read it. Read it. It's uh, New Yorkers never came flooding back. Why did rents go up so much? Getting to the bottom of a COVID era real estate mystery. And to sum up the first sort of beginning bit is the author, after hearing over and over again that rents in New York are soaring to record highs because there's just not enough units. There's just not enough housing available. Too many people want it. People well, are flooding in. People are flooding into the city. Went out and was like, I wonder how many people are coming in. I wonder if you, know, you can actually see how this. How many Munias are there? <laughs> yeah. My God, how many people are driving across the country Moon, to just yeah. like, just don't, salivating to get to New York? Don't think for a second that you weren't the first person I thought about in here. I was like, well, you know, kind of uh, the uh, contradiction or whatever that proves the rules, they say. But um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah <laughs> so basically, I mean, I, I got to give this writer credit. They they were pretty tireless. They dug up USPS data on address changes and looked at address changes going both directions in and out of the city to get an idea of like what the kind of flow in and out of the city of the last several years has been. They called moving companies and like interviewed moving companies about their businesses. Uh, they called, uh, they were calling somebody else that they annoyed so much they wouldn't get any return phone calls from <laughs> about people moving in and out of the city. Uh, somebody working with the city. Oh, the wastewater company. They called the wastewater company to see if uh, there'd been more wastewater usage. Uh, and apparently the wastewater management didn't want to talk with them. Somebody should probably explain to them wastewater management. That's not the Boy Scouts over there. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, look, you know, uh, it's a show up job, but they don't have to work at it. Okay. So they're not going to answer the phone. But after doing a lot of looking around, trying to crunch it as much as you can with the given available numbers, uh, they discovered that, in fact, residents are not flooding into New York. But have actually, have, New York has been on a steady decline in population since about 2016, uh, even before COVID. Uh, 
Which leads to a very strange question, which is, if there's less people in New York than there have ever been, why are apartments so expensive? And uh, let's get down to it here. I'm going to read a little bit from the article. They talk about an old apartment building they lived in uh, where they accidentally got off on the wrong floor one day and went uh, to their door and found their door was open, walked inside, and it turns out it was just an empty unit, right? And then they looked around in the hallway, realized, oh, I'm on the wrong floor. All the units in this hallway are empty, which was weird because when they had rented their apartment, the person had assured them it was the last available unit in the building. <laughs> and that's why it Which was so expensive. Maybe it was true. It was the last available one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is where our author. Well, well, when, you know, when the housing stock is in the control of these fucking <laughs> landlord barons, then yeah, they get to choose that, don't they? Yeah. So that's where our, our uh, intrepid author learned about the term warehousing, uh, which is, yes, where landlords take empty apartments off the market in order to artificially inflate prices. And this is where we're going to pick up. So, quote, or starting for the article here, but they really started doing it during the pandemic, warehousing, that is, on a 2022 episode of the real estate industry podcast, Talk of Manhattan. Man, that's going to be a great podcast. Oh, yeah. Gary Malin, CEO of the Corcoran Group, made a surprising claim, quote, at one point during the downturn, the vacancy rate in the city was close to 25%. You had owners who were sitting on hundreds, if not thousands, of empty apartments. So our author picking it back up. Officially, during the peak of the COVID exodus, the vacancy rate in Manhattan was 4.3%, the highest in at least 14 years. But those official vacancy rates we hear so much about are sourced from market reports by brokerage firms like Corcoran and Douglas Elliman. Uh, And they only reflect the number of rentable apartments that landlords are advertising, not the number that are actually sitting empty. Given the incentives for underreporting, this is a little like calculating a city's crime rate by asking criminals how many people they robbed and murdered last month. Although, as we've shown on the show, it might be a more accurate measurement than asking the cops. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I asked Malin to estimate the real vacancy rate post rebound. Quote, I think it's close to 2%, he told me, which would put it back in line with official rates. Quote, unless an owner is intentionally keeping units off the market for whatever reasons, maybe they need to do renovations. Maybe they plan to sell the building and think it's better to sell it vacant. Right now, if you have apartments available, you're renting them. Still, a 23-point drop in New York City's vacancy rate would signal an inflow of hundreds of thousands of residents who haven't yet appeared in any other data. Where are they? Or perhaps more pertinently, if building owners are lying to us about the amount of their unused inventory as recently as a couple of years ago, why should we believe they're not lying to us now? (laughs) We know that at least 20,000 rent-stabilized apartments are being warehoused because landlords have admitted as much. A 2021 Census Bureau estimate puts the number at 42,860. Owners blame a 2019 state law, the Housing Stability and Tenant Protection Act, which limits the amount they can raise rents to pay for their renovations. They say their warehouse apartments are in such poor shape that it would be impossible to recoup the costs of necessary repairs at rent-stabilized prices, so they're holding them vacant until Albany appeals the law or repeals the law. So they're basically keeping people homeless until they get a political outcome they want. That's not terrorism. Uh, uh. But, <laughs> but yeah, the... Uh, 
you know, they go on to talk about how uh, it turns out some of these units that they claim uh, require massive renovations. Wouldn't you know it? People have gone inside the units and they don't require massive renovations. Brian, uh, that, I don't I, none of this rings true to me. This doesn't make sense. <laughs> I'm calling bullshit right now. OK, I, I you know, I have a nose for bullshit and I smell <laughs> some bullshit. OK, I'm going to just call it podcasting. I'm just going to I've heard what you've had to say. I don't I don't need to do my own research because my I'm a good guesser. OK, and <laughs> uh, as you all know, and I'm hearing this and it is not adding up to me. Let me lay this on you. Why would these landlords leave all these units vacant when they want to make money? They are capitalists. <laughs> There's a market for housing. Gotta, and hey, they got a mortgage to pay too. What, you think they're just going to yes. eat the mortgage cost every single mm-hmm. month? Preach, sir. Yeah, some mar- market for- forces incentivize them to lease these apartments God, out as soon as possible. <laughs> the incentives are so powerful. <laughs> I mean, well, in, how can in they ca- resist the incentives, Brian? Exactly. Capitalists would never manipulate a market uh, because not doing so is where the money is. <laughs> I love to read an article because it is bad and dumb, like we do on this show. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, interesting that you bring that up. I mean, I just want to bring up one more thing the author mentions, which is uh, there actually is a weird incentive in some of these cases of uh, a lot of the building boom very recently due to some tax uh, breaks that were given uh, was centered around luxury units, right? Luxury apartments. And in the building contracts, those luxury apartments, there's minimum rents listed in there. So actually, there is an incentive for some of those to just keep them off the market if they're not rentable. Um, but, you know, the obvious uh, answer to the urbanist aside, which is that you don't know what you're talking about, even on the level of like how rents and stuff like that work. Uh, yeah, you're just a baby who who heard someone <laughs> tell you about their first day of Econ 101 and just like you have no other thought in your head when any of this comes up besides yeah. like supply and demand, supply mm-hmm. and demand. Yeah, I saw like an episode of Schoolhouse Rock one day and we're like, <laughs> I, I, I now know economics. But yeah, like Neo, you're like, I now know economics. <laughs> <laughs> I will you fight know. you. Like Teen Titans Go has a better understanding of the real estate market than <laughs> fucking uh most of the urbanists on twitter but anyways uh, uh, including your your uh your old friend from from texas oh my god so we found out today i don't mean to derail this discussion but we found I out do. today that uh one of seattle's dumbest urbanists uh one of my nemeses on twitter and this is all key, blocked okay? i think too if they, I, but, they, uh, they don't block me for some reason they like oh, arguing they with like me. It they, just, they kind of get just, off on it a little bit you just post pig poop balls at them like two years yeah. ago three years ago and they, they all blocked you but i fucking like sometimes we'll get into like a day-long like uh argument with this uh or it'll branch out actually like all it'll be like a 10 minute ar- argument where i'm just ca- just calling this push the needle shithead uh an idiot for 10 minutes and mm-hmm. then i just have nothing to do that day so i'm responding to all the idiot replies from all their <laughs> idiot followers and it turns out it makes so much fucking sense. Yeah, so it turns out this uh, this person apparently is also a Texas Tech graduate and lived in Lubbock for a little bit. And it makes perfect sense that they are like your evil twin. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. You the guy I podcast with, this person, this idiot that I um argue with on 
Twitter uh, and I get just as worked up as podcasting. And that's like, there's this kind of yin and yang there, but in another way, it, in the, it makes sense that this idiot went to Texas Tech. Yeah. <laughs> all, all I can say is if you, if you, the fact that they went to Texas Tech is already reason to dismiss any of their opinions. All right. Already suspect to begin with. Um, I will say the reason why they blocked me, which I had to look this up to find it out because I not know that they had blocked me, was because they had posted a picture of some town on a coastal island or like an island, small island in Greece, off the coast of Greece. Uh, that has a population of 3,000 people. They posted a picture of the coastline. It's clearly like a resort town. Uh, and then they posted a picture of the Seattle, like downtown coastline where like the, you know, uh, the all the bullshit is. It was mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, look at the difference in like urban planning or some stupid <laughs> thing like that. <laughs> yeah. And so I posted a picture of a like town in France that was very picturesque with that. It was like residents, like 1000, like population 1000, all like wealthy retirees, very picturesque in the rolling hills of France. And then the shittiest picture I could find of Shanghai. And I was like, oh, difference in urban planning right here. This is what <laughs> Shanghai could look like. <laughs> and they got mad at me because like, that's an obviously ridiculous comparison. And I was like, like, yeah, it's ridiculous to compare a place with like 3,000 people to a place with a million people, you know, or a place, you know, that would be an insane comparison to make. Like, yes, it would be. It was like, apparently I got yeah, blocked for that. It, uh, moron. A, yeah, a great A, person. moron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's start talking about this 67-year-old woman who <laughs> never leaves her house and has nothing better to do but like, have a, a single-issue politics. Yeah, uh, so... Anyways, yeah, I mean, it would seem crazy that all these landlords would just forego rents or whatever to keep apartments off the market. I mean, what an insane thing. Well, that brings us to uh, the algorithm. All right. So picking up the article again. Uh, But then in October, ProPublica published what seemed like evidence of an actual conspiracy. It turns out that some landlords have been using the same software to do some very interesting things. The Uh app is RealPage Revenue Management Software. It's made by the Texas-based company RealPage, and allegedly it works by collecting private pricing and inventory stats from competing building owners and then using that data to give them recommendations for how to price their available partner, uh, apartments such that nobody undercuts the others. Some argue... Sounds cl- great. So, uh, <laughs> collusion. Yes. Price collu- Price fixing. So some argue that RealPage's software allows individual landlords to keep their hands clean while indirectly colluding to inflate prices. Uh, in 2021, a RealPage executive bragged at a conference that his company's algorithm was responsible for rent increases nationwide. Quote, I think it's driving it, quite honestly, <laughs> he said, according to an article. Quote, Couldn't help himself. As a property manager, very few of us would be willing to actually raise rents double digits within a single month by doing it manually. <laughs> Luckily, this has come around to help. Thank God um, the magic number on the software gave us the confidence we need to raise our <laughs> rent so, $1,200. Why would landlords forego rents? Well, here's an idea. What if by foregoing rents, they actually are able to make more money through overcharging on what is left, right? Uh, and also raise the rental floor itself, therefore increasing profits in the future. It turns out that's exactly what they're doing and have uh, created special software to coordinate for that. 
But that doesn't make sense, Brian. <laughs> Why uh, would they want to make more money? It doesn't make sense. <laughs> if they're actually leaving <laughs> units off the market, that's so much money they're losing. They can't possibly be coming out ahead. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Brian, also, this is a classic case of the prisoner's dilemma, all right? Like, you're you're assuming that, you know, colluding forces are going to participate when they have an incentive to undercut each other. Therefore, market forces will drive the price down, not up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... Brian, they have a supply, and there's a demand. <clears throat> um, you know, it's so funny. 160 years ago... Uh, a genius, a man hanging out in the London library, <laughs> made a joke in his magnum opus about how capitalism works, that every time the capitalist economist confronts reality, he runs back to his textbook and says, but that's not how it works in the textbook. <laughs> <laughs> and what can you say about the urbanists other than they keep the tradition alive, which is, but it says in my textbook, but it turns out in reality, that's not the case. I mean, just, but, you know, just to, to get in the head a little bit, it's like you're talking about the, 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 construction contracts on these buildings, but also there's the property value, like Mm -hmm. what they're getting on the rent informs the property value. The increase and maintaining that property value is what is on the mind of fucking almost most property owners at this point. A lot of, we know a lot of these big property owners, a lot of these luxury buildings, like renting them has become like, you know, a side business that is kind of annoying to do when the real business is the increase in property value. Well, it's it's a classic dumb guy move to look at a rich guy who is, you know, making a lot of money doing something and being like, oh, uh, why aren't they renting those apartments out? They would make so much more money doing that. It's a dumb guy move because you, you you look at that and you go, well, this is what I would do with the limited information I have. And you never thought for a second, maybe that person's doing something else. Yeah. Maybe what they're telling yeah. you is not the truth, right? And it's yeah. like real dumb guy kind of things. It's like uh, if George W. Bush, he really fucked up in Iraq because... Uh, you know, gas prices went up after the war. So, you know, he yeah. has no idea what he's doing. It's like, no, you have no idea what he's doing. <laughs> it's not the, it's not the other way around. He knows exactly what he's doing. You're the idiot in this case. But but yeah, I mean, uh, you, you know, one, I mean, we know that there's prejudice amongst building owners that a lot of them won't rent to lo- especially low income units, but they won't rent discount units and things like that because they just don't want those people around. Right. It has nothing to do with the strict decision of like, well, I could get $0 or $500. They don't want the fucking person that would take the unit for $500 to be in their building, right? And whether they, but, whether it's true or not, they also, in addition to just not liking poor people, they may also believe it's costing them more in the end, whether that's yeah. true or not, because of, you know, for all kinds of reasons. Yeah, because they think it'll lower the value of the building, that it'll that lower the value of the other units. There'll be more yeah. damage yeah, to the unit. Shit. There'll be more turnover. They'll think... They're renting it to not just this poor person, but then another poor person six oh. or eight months later, and then another one. But Greg, I, personal prejudice doesn't exist in the world of the rational capitalist. Oh, yeah, sorry. Only, yeah, yeah, only, charts, only charts. But the Supply other thing is, demand. one of the things that the article points to is that the capitalist doesn't always act in the interest of immediate profit. A lot of times they act in the interest of control and things like that. And as the article even hints at, uh, you know, uh, a lot of property owners in New York admit to warehousing units 
for the purpose of terrorizing the state legislature into enacting laws that they want, right? They're purposefully squeezing the how you know the housing of New York City to create more homelessness, to create more housing instability. Yeah. And the for the purpose of forcing the legislature to act in the way they want them to act, right? And it's like that's another reason why they do those things. You know, these it's, are it's, groups it's with interesting interests. that all these people who happen to have the same type of property and way of using it all have aligned interests that actually somehow actually seem to many of them align in the same direction, despite not only as individuals <laughs> being different, but these different circumstances, like the, the bills they want to pass, the, inclination of them uh personally toward poor people the their feelings about you know how they make their money and why like it all kind of leads them to the same thing and all of them at the same time it's very very fascinating Strange. and, and somehow operating some, some, <laughs> somehow it's operating outside of strict supply and demand logic yeah yeah it's crazy somebody should write a book well, Greg, about it. look at man they're competitors on a market all right so <laughs> food for thought nice point but food for thought all right yeah they're you're competing right they with be each other their competitors yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah that's true it's totally true uh luckily there's no history of collusion under capitalism to point to, to <laughs> yeah to no no that might nothing be stupid, so uh-huh. uh especially in housing i mean housing is traditionally housing and construction and real estate have been the cleanest industries oh in, yeah in capitalism nothing, so that, nothing going on there <laughs> just just strict market rules all the uh-huh. time yeah uh, well, you know, this has been fun. Um, I, I, I think that we have some potentially interesting. Sorry, my cat is walking all over my soundboard right now. We have some potentially potentially interesting, uh, more urban, uh, you know, urbanist discussions to have in the future. Here, I just found a very long piece about uh, St. Louis that's very interesting, uh, as well as one about building luxury units in Wyoming where essentially all the construction workers are homeless and are being like bust in from hundred miles away to build uh, houses for multimillionaires. So uh, we're, we're going to explore this market more. I'm sure uh, all we'll need, we're going to arm ourselves with a supply and demand graph and uh, see if we can make it all make sense. Liz Cheney rooftop party, baby. <laughs> 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 Hell yeah. uh, we're getting on the ground floor of that that building yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right well r- real quick on our way out let's give a quick shout out to roof dog let's roof go dog, uh new patron although new patron question mark no, well, not you know, no. They, they've re-signed up and you know what we give credit for that all right too. yeah, yeah. We'll, all we'll, right. we'll give some encouragement there you know that happens to me too for reasons sometimes i have to change my credit card on patreon uh, because should, the other one doesn't get work your money anymore. right brian <laughs> yeah i know i should be better <laughs> at right up, bro. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um would, yeah, would you uh, like me to mentor you financially <laughs> <laughs> i've got some uh, tricks up my sleeve yeah uh, you know i got some common stock you might be interested in <laughs> i can delete this but don't ever say that shit <laughs> out loud just bleep that out for bleep future it, use yeah yeah, yeah. um all right. Well, uh, hey, everybody. Ending the myth. It's still happening. Go listen to that Jerry Limke interview. I, I don't want to spoil it, but we might have another special guest very soon to maybe talk about some movies from the 1970s. 
as well as uh, Moody and I are going to answer some questions about the 70s. We're going to talk about which disco dance hits were our favorite. Uh, why Saturday Night Fever is the best movie of the 1970s. We're going to long we're gonna before Soy and the Smoking Band ruined everything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, look, I don't want to be a return guy, but bring Smoking Band. No, I don't care. Oh, shit, cares. <laughs> <laughs> On our next ending, the myth. <laughs> <laughs> bring Smoking Band. No. Bring Smoking Band. Yeah, no, no, I don't give a shit. <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a good night. Good night. Night. <laughs>